You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5 tonight. Deuteronomy 5, and uh, you don't need to stand uh, this evening. We'll be reading, I think, in in a moment. Deuteronomy chapter 5 will also be uh, back over in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 6. If you want to turn there, just at least mark your Bible uh, for Ephesians Ephesians chapter 6. So Deuteronomy chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 6. We'll be in a couple of other places as well, I believe. Um, But uh, tonight I'm going to start kind of a a mini-series. I don't know how long it's going to last uh, for sure, but I want to start a mini-series on, uh, on parenting, and, and I know for some of you, you're thinking, well, that doesn't really apply to me, but um, I'll give you a few reasons why I think it's, it's going to be helpful, um, and, and if nothing else, then I think it's good for us to be reminded of, of the way that God works through parents in their children's lives, and, uh, the la- and so in the last couple months, you know, and I, I, I'm calling it parent principles, uh, in the last couple months, I I've been reading some books and materials on parenting, and, and it's been my desire to kind of bring some things, uh, some preaching, some messages on this subject, and I didn't necessarily intend for it to be a series um, as much as I just wanted to preach on certain things as they came up, and, and I had an opening in this schedule. But as I was doing some research, uh, the things that really resonated with me the most and, and I think this part applies to all of us. They were the, the principle-based things were what resonated with me the most. By that, I mean practical step-by-step instruction is helpful. It always is. Um, to have, here's what you do. Here's how you do it step-by-step. Um, like uh, instructions if you're putting something together, you know. And uh, not, the thing that men don't need is basically what I'm talking about. Um, that we can figure it out on our own until we have a bunch of parts left over. So... Um, you know, I always find more long-term value if I can come away with a principle. And so I'll use that same illustration. You know, if you get something, uh, you know, Christmas uh, just came uh, a, a couple months, oh, a month ago or so. And, and when Christmas comes, you know, as a dad, as a parent, that your children are going to get toys um, that probably have to get put together. Somebody has to take the time to look at the instructions and put things together and, um, and the, mean, the mean friends and grandparents uh, will always give you toys that make noise. And so you just, and if that's the case, parents, you just um, very, um, very conveniently forget to put the batteries in, okay? That, that's just a little tip. But, you know, you get these toys and you get these things that you've got to put together, something that you're trying to follow the instructions for. And uh, if you've only done it one time, it's your, if it's your first time to ever do it, you need those instructions. You really do. But if you've done that exercise or put that together uh, before, then the instructions aren't nearly as necessary because you have the big picture in mind. You know how to do it already. Well, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm getting to in, in the preaching on the family that we'll be doing in parenting is that sometimes you can get lost in the details. You can get lost in the instructions and bogged down by the what's and the how's, and you can almost forget the why's. You can forget why you're doing it, and, and parenting can be a tedious endeavor. 
And maybe you've discovered that, maybe you haven't. But sometimes to be reminded of the big picture can be extremely helpful when you're about to pull your hair out. Our family likes to put puzzles together. And, uh, and I know, I know that's, that doesn't sound very exciting, um, but we can even make puzzle putting together. We can make that competitive even, actually. Because we're trying to get the most of the puzzle done more than the person sitting next to us. We got this big 2,000-piece puzzle and we've been putting it together for, I think, probably a little over a month now. And uh, Caitlin, I think, is the one that finished it finally yesterday. And, and uh, she snuck down at like 2.30 in the morning when no one was watching. No, just kidding. We're really, we take it seriously. No, she finished it for us yesterday. And, and as I, every time I put a puzzle together, and I, I normally like to have the box in front of me or, or the, a poster comes along with it a lot of times. And you can look at the poster and I stare at the box and I try to find where that piece might be. And you know how that is. If you didn't have the picture, you probably wouldn't put that puzzle, be able to put the puzzle together. And I think that parenting is a little bit like that. In that we need the big picture. We need to see what we're trying to do. What we're trying to accomplish in the very end. Rather than just get down to the nuts and bolts and... This is what you do when your child does this, if A, then B, like a math equation. No, some, it's good for us to have the big picture in mind. It's good for us to see what the end looks like, and that really does answer a lot of questions for us. I believe that's how God would have us to live the Christian life. For instance, he didn't give us a list of every single possible scenario that you are going to face as a Christian in your life. He didn't give you a list. He didn't say, okay, now when this happens in sixth grade um, and this person says this to you in the hallway at school, here's what you say. That's not how he operates. If that's how he operated, then this book would be much bigger than something I could hold in my hand. He doesn't give us every scenario. He doesn't give us every single line. No, instead, when he was asked about the greatest commandment there in Matthew 22, and you'll remember this, um, uh, someone said, what's the greatest commandment? The Pharisees were asking, uh, I believe, and he said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And what, how did he close that up? He said, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. See, what he was saying is, um, here's the big picture, love God and love other people. Here's the puzzle box. Love God and love other people. That's the big picture. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. What he was saying is, if you will carry your, if you will live your life with those two things in mind, love God and love others, then so many scenarios and so many questions that come up in your life every day will be answered by those two things. He was giving them principles to live by, not just step-by-step instructions. It's kind of like the idea between giving a man a fish and teaching a man to fish. Um, some of you really perked up when I started talking about fishing. Brother Phil Spencer, or Phil Everett, not Phil Spencer, Phil Everett. Brother Everett just, I mean, he just kind of started looking at me again. So, talk about fishing. You know, that, sometimes you just have to throw those things out there and get people's attention. No, um, you, I'm not a great fisherman, okay? I, I'll talk more about this later when I'm 
when I'm ready for it. But I'm, my dad's a great fisherman. I grew up in a fisherman's household. I'm not a good fisherman. I just never, it's never been something I'm good at. Um, so, so basically, if, I, if fishing um, was, was important for my survival, I would not last long. I just wouldn't. I'm not good at it. Okay? Some people, they live for it. Now, when you give a man a fish, you feed him for a meal, right? But if you were to teach him how to fish, uh, he'll have no problem providing for himself. That's the idea behind Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. That's the idea that Jesus Christ was giving, is that I'm not just going to give you every scenario and every answer to every question you'll ever have. I, I don't have time to give that. If you'll just remember the principles, love God and love other people, it will answer so many things for you. And what I appreciate about certain authors as you read and, and their approach to things is, is I appreciate principles. I, I enjoy practices. I, I enjoy practical, helpful material that tells you here's how you do it, line by line by line. But I really appreciate principles because if we could get some principles in our minds about raising children, and not just raising children, about everything, if we have a principle in our mind, it answers a lot of questions for us. It tells us what to do in certain scenarios. It shapes our mindset. It forms our worldview. And a lot of the things on those principles hang everything else. And so, I mean, Aaron and I, when we were raising our, our children early on, I learned very early that a lot of the strong practical advice, like here's what you do if this happens, a lot of that stuff, as helpful as it was and as, as good as it seemed, it didn't always work like it was supposed to. See, there's a major variable in all of that, and that is every child is different. I mean, I, you should meet some of my children. They're very different. Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. But Every child is different. And sometimes you would read these things, and it's almost, if it says, it's almost like, if you will do this, Go through this, these steps when your child is doing this, then your child will be cured forever of whatever issue they were facing in that moment. And you, and you read these things and you're thinking, okay, well, this is going to work. And then you try it and it doesn't work the first time because, again, every child is different. For some of our children, um, getting them to breaking their will at one point, at, at the first point where they were showing signs of rebellion. For some of them, I, all I had to do was look at them funny, and they kind of wilted in front of me. Others, I mean, we, it seems like we spent days trying to break their will, trying to get them to submit to their parents. You know, I don't know if this is this way for you, but we have five children. We found that not every practice that we tried worked the same on every child every time. And I don't know if that's revolu revolutionary for you or... If that's a new revelation, I don't think so. We started coming to the conclusion that our children are all different. And really, honestly, if you will operate by principle, it really applies in more areas than just here's the step-by-step -step instruction. We need to look at the puzzle. We need to look at the puzzle, the finished puzzle, the box, the picture, not just, oh, little piece by little piece. You know, we would often, uh, when they were younger, find ourselves frustrated because we would put practices in a place that had value and they were helpful. But if a variable changed, we didn't know what to do. 
It's like that movie, A Bug's Life. I don't normally talk about movies, but I have children, and Pixar movies have been a part of their life at times. Bug's Life and the ants are walking along in single file, and a stick falls in the pathway, and they freak out, and they don't know what to do because they're just so used to falling in line. Well, sometimes variables come along, and it falls in line. If you, all you're doing is operating by, by step-by-step instruction and not by end result, not by big picture. The stick will fall on your path, and you're saying, ah, what do we do? And that, that happens. And honestly, this is a principle, uh, this is a thought that will help you in your Christian life as well. Um, many Christians turn into robots doing one step by step by step by step by step and going through the motions rather than seeing the end result that their life is to be conformed to the image of Christ. If in your, in your life, in your mind, you're thinking, my life is to end up looking like Jesus Christ, you know how many questions that answers? You know how, to, how many scenarios that makes easier for you to think, okay, what should I do in this situation? Well, no, the end result is that I glorify and look like Jesus Christ. So what would he do? That answers many, many questions. Well, you know, and so I don't know how much preaching I'll do on this subject, but I do, though, know this. I intend to, as the Lord helps and leads, to bring pr- some principles, some things that you can take away um, that you say, okay, here's a phrase or here's a statement that will help us to think correctly about parenting and on Wednesday nights, I don't know, even know if we'll do it consecutively. Um, some may not be consecutive. Some may be more principle-based. So others may have more application. We'll see how it goes. But I really do want you to get some statements, almost some mission statements as a parent that will help to guide you as you lead and raise your children. A few initial thoughts before we get into those. If you're not first, if you're not raising children... Messages like this can still be beneficial for you. And I'll talk to the young people first uh, because they're thinking this has no application to me. Actually, though, um, for parents and children in this room that still live with their parents, this has the most application for them. See, I believe that some of you, some of these principles that we'll be talking about for you young people that are in here, I believe they could truly help you see where your parents are coming from. You see, I don't think it's always just the parents that get bogged down in the details. I don't think it's always just the parents that get lost in the instructions. I think sometimes young people have a tough time seeing where their parents are coming from. All they see from their parents are action A and and action B, and they're not seeing what that result is supposed to be. But if if you could get a glimpse of what your parents want you to be in God, in Christ then that may allow you to have a different attitude toward your parents when they bring something to you or they mention something to you or or you're doing something one way and your parents come and they say, no, it should be done this way. It's not just parents that get bogged down in the details. Children do too, especially teenagers when they're asking questions and and they want to know why and and they want to have a better explanation than just because I said so, which absolutely works. If you want to use it, it's fine. But at at some point, we have to be able to give them something bigger than that. 
We have to let them see the end result that we want for their life. And I'm telling you, young people that are in here, if you'll have an open heart, this might help you to be the kind of child that will bring honor, which is one of your primary purposes right now anyway. You are to honor your parents. It will bring honor and joy to your parents. Your life will be more fulfilled if you're the kind of child that pleases God. And you say, well, I don't have children. Maybe you're an adult, but you either haven't had children yet uh, or you, you're not even married yet. And you say, I'm not sure how this applies. Well, someday you might be. Someday you might have children. File these truths away and have a head start. And the reason I say that is because every parent in this room has regrets about decisions that they made with their children when they were young and wish they could go back and do something different. And if you will capture these things, um, some of these truths, and have the mind uh, to find God's mind on raising children before you ever even have children, imagine how, how great it would be to have few regrets as you raise your children. Because you started out with some truth, and you started out with principles, and so for you young couples in here that don't have children yet, or, or you're single and you don't have children um, don't just dismiss the truths that you hear. Get a head start. Maybe you've already raised children and they're out of the house and, and your philosophy on child rearing is, I did my hard time. My 18 years of hard labor are over. <laughs> well, you know what? Someday you might have grandchildren. And the same principles apply. And not only that, do you remember what it was like when people, that, uh, people in church or it, the godly people invested in your children and how much it meant to you? Do you remember that? I mean, think way back. I'm telling you, uh, there's, there are a few things that mean more to a mom and dad's heart than when somebody just out of the goodness of their, of their heart and a, and a love for, for Jesus Christ uh, just gets down and invests in your kids. It means a lot to a parent. It means a lot to know that somebody has a heart for them in the same way that, that we have a heart for them. I'm telling you, it does a lot for a parent. And so you remember what that was like for those of you that don't have children at home and, and your children are grown and maybe out of the house or getting there. Uh, remember what it was like and then you turn around and do the same for somebody else that somebody did for you that you appreciate so much. And so just because you don't have children at home and and your kids are grown doesn't mean that this doesn't apply to you. See, the truth is we all have a responsibility to mentor the next generation. Uh, you might have nieces and nephews. Uh, you might have younger cousins. Uh, maybe you teach in a class. Uh, maybe you teach in junior church. Uh, just looking around the room, how many in here are involved in children's ministry here at Eastside Baptist Church? Okay, we've got a few hands. We could have more hands, by the way. Always investing in the next generation. We ought to. If that's the case, these things apply to you as well. Our mindset toward others is always been, has always been, how do I help them become more than what they are? How do I take them for, help them get from step A, where they are, to at the end, the finished product would be that they are an image bearer of God. How do I do that? Well, that should always be our mindset. You have an opportunity to positively influence the children that are part of your lives. And if you're raising children, I'm praying this is a help to you. I mean, this definitely applies to you. When Aaron and I first started raising ours, we, uh, and we're not done. I mean, I, I don't stand before you because I have a finished product. I don't. 
Um, I, they're, they're still works in progress, uh, just like every, every family, every child. I mean, they're works in progress. And I, and I say that not because I, I don't want you to discount what is said from God's word. It's true whether or not I say it or somebody who's never had kids says it or somebody who's raised all their kids well and they're doing great as adults. I mean, this is true no matter who says it. And so don't discount it just because you say, well, you haven't been all the way through it yet. I understand that. Look for truth and be open to change. See, uh, you, we may differ. You may have a different philosophy. You may find yourself in disagreement or say that doesn't work. And, but take what you can use, leave the rest on the table. But here's a discovery I have made is that the most effective parents are those who are not too proud to confront their shortcomings. The most effective parents are the ones that aren't too proud to confront their shortcomings. It, it takes a village sometimes. <laughs> I mean, you need help. You have to be willing for someone to say, no, this works. This could be a help to you. See, the truth is, you should love your children enough that you are willing to hear anything in which there could be even the tiniest sliver of truth that you could apply. Not everything will be the answer you're looking for. I get that. But I intend to approach this with principles that can have many applications instead of just simply focusing on all the little details. And I'm sure there will be some detailed application at time, but primarily my desire is to give you biblical principles that you can take and apply to your child in any situation. And, I don't, and because of that introduction, I don't even know if we're going to get to the first principle tonight, but bear with me, we'll try. I'm going to start with two foundational truths, and um, we're going to get to Deuteronomy here in a moment. We're going to read it here in just a moment. Um, the first truth as we, as we follow this train of thought here is that parenting is a divinely appointed calling. Parenting is a divinely appointed calling. Keep your place in Deuteronomy, and because we will get to it eventually, but look over in Genesis chapter 1. Parenting is a divinely appointed calling. Look at Genesis chapter 1, and you know these verses, but I just want to look at them. Genesis 1, verse 26, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over the earth, all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. God created man and woman in his image from the very first from the very first time that he breathed the breath of life into Adam, and then from Adam then created Eve, he made man and woman in his own image. And even as a woman, by, by the way, tonight, embrace your gender, ladies, because even as a woman, you bear the image of God. You just as much bear the image of God as a woman as a man bears the image of God as a man. Embrace the role, the gender that God has made you. Uh, there are two genders, there's male and female, and God created both of them. And in that first family unit, that one man, one woman, God gave them a responsibility. Look at verse 28, it says, And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth and subdue it, 
And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So here we have this family unit. The first family unit, you've got a man and you've got a woman. One man, one woman for life. They're married, they're together. And God gave them a responsibility in verse 28. And the first thing that he says to them, it says he blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. You know, the purpose that God mentions, that God gives to the family unit, was to reproduce and replenish the earth with children who would help them accomplish the purpose of subduing subduing the earth. But don't miss this. God created man and woman in his image. God created man and woman in his image. So if man and woman reproduce... Their offspring would not only bear their image, it would also bear whose image? God's image. Since God created a man and God created a woman and they both bear God's image, when they come together and reproduce, which is their primary responsibility to replenish the earth, to subdue the earth, to be fruitful, to multiply, When when they come together, since they both bear the image of God, then their offspring are also to bear the image of God. They will bear the image of God, whether or not they want to. And we talked about family traits for uh, in first the book of First John very often. But it's the same idea that that parents have children that bear their traits that look like them. And the same thing is happening here. Children are not just going to reflect their parents. They're also to reflect their God. The problem, though, came in a couple chapters later when that with man and woman disobeying God. See, they broke that God's one commandment, and therefore they marred the image of God in their own lives. And that's when God then promised, we could read Genesis 3.15 and see this, he promised to redeem them through his seed, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. He came to pay for our sins and allows us to more completely or perfectly or accurately reflect God's image again. But, But we still, even a sinner, folks, even a sinner bears God's image. You don't have to be saved to bear God's image. You bear God's image as a human being. Every person does. And so we must then take from this, from this account in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, that, it is God's, that God's purpose for parents is to be fruitful and multiply, to have offspring, to have children that not only bear their image, but bear God's image. It is our responsibility to produce children, not just that reflect us, but that reflect God. I mean, just because mankind fell, it doesn't negate the calling of families to reproduce children that clearly reflect God's image. You say, because some people will say, well, you know, sin came and so the responsibility, no, the responsibility is the same. The responsibility is that parents will produce children reproduce in themselves or from themselves children that not only bear their image but bear God's image. I know there's a lot more to overcome now because of the sin nature, but the calling has not changed. If you have children, it is your responsibility to be fruitful and multiply and to bear children that reflect God's image. 
And I know the sin nature has really messed things up and there are, because of sin, there are some couples that may not be able to have children and, and, and other things like that. But in the, uh, in the purest form, God's responsibility was that our children, as we bear them, are to reflect His image. They are to be walking pictures of the Creator. And though they naturally just do that anyway because they're human, we must make, our, make it our life's work to put them in a position for God to continue to conform them to that image. It is our responsibility, since that was their initial purpose from the very beginning. That purpose hasn't changed. It is still our responsibility as parents to do everything that we can to invest in our children to be image bearers of God. His plan for them has not changed. He wants them to reflect Him. Parenting is a divinely appointed calling. And God gave it to parents. Parents, this responsibility is a high and noble duty. But it doesn't always feel that way, does it? Um, sometimes it's frustrating. And sometimes it's overwhelming. I mean, you think, yes, I'm going to create, I, I, I'm going to make in this child, I'm going to make them the, into the image of God through God's help, and I'm going to do everything I can to, to make sure that they reflect God and they become what they're supposed to be and they're conformed to the image of Christ. And yes, this is so exciting. And then you bring the baby home. And you're like, where do I start? I remember when we first brought um, our first home and, and, and Aaron's mom was there helping. And, but when Aaron's mom left and we were standing there, she was holding a baby and I was looking at her and we were like, what are we supposed to do now? That's how it feels. I mean, we have the responsibility to help this child not just look like us, but look like her father, our father. We're, we're trying to make this, take this child from this, um, this little, mm, I, don't, I don't want to get into all the details, but she's good at just a few things when they're that little. I'll just say it that way. Just a couple things they're experts at. And very little of it has anything to do with godliness. I'll just say that. So not only are you trying to kind of get all the stuff out of them, the sin nature and the, and the stuff that they naturally just lean toward and, and get that out and then, maybe, and then see them save, God willing, and then start on the journey. But now you're supposed to end up with the child that you don't know where to start with looking like their heavenly father. It's a divinely appointed calling. And folks, parents, I just want you to see this is a big deal. And we live in a culture that children are not a big deal. I mean, for the last 40 years plus now, children are considered, they're considered um, an inconvenience. And if they get in the way of my career or they get in the way of my convenience or uh, if it's unexpected or if I just don't feel like it. Now, you know. And they're just looked at like it's an inconvenience and, and uh, abortion has, I mean, taken the lives of many of these young children that were supposed to reflect the image of their God. Through a miracle 
not just of, of physiology or biology. They're a miracle of God giving life to a child. And they're just treated as, you know, we can dispense of this. We live in a culture that's trying to teach you or tell you that your children don't matter all that much. And if you believe in evolution, it's even worse. Um, evolution means they're just a product of chance. And they don't really reflect anything. They're just, we're here by accident. And if that's the case, then they really don't matter. And that's the culture that's trying to tell us that what we're doing is not that important. In the grand scheme, it doesn't really matter all that much. But we go back to Genesis 1, and I don't even know if we're going to get to Deuteronomy 5 and 6 tonight, but we go back to Genesis 1 and realize that what we're doing, raising children to look like God the Father, is important stuff. This is not stuff, something to just be looked at like, oh, okay, no big deal. You know, and even in a culture where, where um, even if you have children... Many households are letting someone else raise them most of the time. They don't take the responsibility they've been given very seriously. You know, there's a lot of philosophies out there telling you that they're not important. There are also a lot of philosophies out there telling you um, that, that there are a lot of ways to do it, however you feel. You know, it seems like it's a lot more complicated now than it used to be, raising children Everybody has this idea of how to do it. And, you know, back in my day, it seemed like my parents just fed me and gave me clothes and hoped I stayed alive. I remember, you know, this, it, you would be looked frowned upon now if you let this happen. But back in the day where you had a, a, a car with the big bench seats and you could fit about six across the front and back seat... And I remember driving around town with my dad, standing up in the front seat right next to him while he drove around. I mean, you would have, I don't know what they call it up here, social services. You'd have them called on you if somebody sees you doing that with your kids these days. It's complicated now. Now it's like, I mean, I remember when our kids, we'd start bringing them home, and one report would come out and say, lay your baby on their back. The next day, no, on the tummy. The next hour, no on the back, no on the tummy, no on the back. So we just hung them from ropes in the living room. It was like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? And they all survived. I, so I can't say there weren't lasting effects, but, you know, what do you do? It's confusing and complicated and inconvenient. And, I mean, everyone's saying, do this, do that. And it's like, you know, all of these things, and I'm just telling you, what we have to do is decide if God has divinely appointed this calling, then we have confidence that he will also enable us to do it the way that we should. And that's why he's given us the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Because we're not going to read them tonight, but there are foundational passages in Deuteronomy 5 and 6 and Ephesians 6 and Colossians 3, both the Old Testament and New Testament, that show us that you can raise your children. If you'll raise them according to the way God tells you to, you can raise them in a way that, that helps you achieve the divine appointed call that has been placed on your life. But sometimes we're going to have to ignore all of the other stuff 
and get back to one source of wisdom and instruction, and that is God's word. Because as, as strange as it seems, in this culture, God's word has the answers for everything, including raising children. See, we need the scripture to guide us. And it's an adventure, and it's not easy, and it can be inconvenient, and it feels overwhelming sometimes. But if God appointed us, he will enable us. And he's giving us the greatest resource we could have, and that is God's word. The home was established by God to raise image bearers that reflect him. So include him in the process. Don't blindly trust the way you were raised. Because I've heard that, and I do that too. Well, this is the way I was raised, or this is what my dad always did. or what my, No, assume that, I mean, as good as your parents were, assume that God has the answer. And don't blindly just trust the way you were raised. You may find they come together, but, but always, uh, always assume that they're, that, or never assume that everything you think is right. Don't simply assume your instincts are correct. Because they may not be. Don't, then don't proudly pretend to know if you're not sure. Don't easily just throw in the towel when it doesn't seem like it's working. Have faith that if God appointed it, then he will enable us. If God appointed this work, have faith that he will give us enough to raise image bearers. To bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. To teach God's truth at home. If he established the home, then he's given us what we need to do it the right way. And I pray that we'll discover that as we go through. Here's the big principle for this week that we'll not even look at. We'll talk about it next week. Here's the big principle. I'm going to give this to you and then leave a cliffhanger here. Parents, you are ambassadors, not owners. You are ambassadors, not owners. It's not an original statement with me, but I loved how one author put it. And that's the idea that we're going to be looking at next week. We are ambassadors, not owners. I'm going to stop there for tonight just because it's a good place to stop. And we'll pick this back up next week. So let me uh, encourage you tonight to we're going to spend some time in prayer. And uh, pray for uh, Brother Ruckman. And uh, especially, specifically Brother Ruckman tonight as he'll be serving or ministering in Africa and heading back. And, uh, and then pray for our church that we'll continue to please and glorify the Lord uh, as a church body in 2020. All right, let's take some time to go to prayer and uh, just pray right there at your seat. And when you're done, I'll pray and we'll be dismissed. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.